Where the hell have you been, soldier? Training, sir! Training, sir! What kind of training, son? Pizza training, sir! Welcome to episode 23 of Drew and Sam Talk Training. I'm Drew Helmholtz with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. And I am Sam with Fowser Consulting. On this episode, we're going to do something just a little bit different. We're going to skip some of our normal segments and we're going to go straight to our interview because as we record this, we just spent nearly an hour with New York Times bestselling author, John U. Bacon, talking all about the book, Let Them Lead, that we reviewed a few podcasts ago. Drew, what do you think about the conversation we had with uh, John? In the beginning, when he talked about extroverts and introverts, and he, he called himself out as, I think he said extrovert on steroids, the listeners, you'll hear that part and you'll understand exactly what he means. That's for sure. <laughs> Without further ado, we're going to get into our interview with John U. Bacon, New York Times bestselling author. The current book out is Let Them Lead, Unexpected Lessons in Leadership from America's worst high school hockey team. And no, he's not joking about that. Go ahead and listen to this interview. Pick up the book. I think you're going to enjoy it. All right, welcome to the podcast. We on this episode of our podcast, Drew and Sam Talk Training, we welcome uh, world-renowned author John U. Bacon. John, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Sam and Drew and Lucas. So, uh, John, just a quick note here: it looks like you've written a book or two—twelve, in fact—and six of them on the New York Times bestseller list. That's got to be a pretty good feeling. Uh, yes, it absolutely is. It means I can keep my house, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Always good to be able to pay the mortgage. That's for sure. I understand uh, there's a 13th book in the works right now. Is that uh, something you want to share with our listeners? Yeah, this one is uh, unrelated to the others. Um, it's on the Summit Series, 1972. Uh, Team Canada put together for the first time ever. Uh, the best NHL players against the Soviets. Supposed to crush them. Four games in Canada, four games in Moscow. And they have to win the last three games, to win the whole thing, all by a goal in the last minute. So it's the most important sporting event in Canada. Changed hockey forever. If you're a Red Wings fan, and many Domino's folks are, Russian Five and all that starts in 1972. So anyway, but that's uh, hockey stuff. But we're turning this into a screenplay, Let Them Lead, with Jim Bernstein, who wrote D3 Mighty Ducks. He wrote Renaissance Man with Danny DeVito and some others. Uh, Ruffian for ESPN with uh, Sam Shepard, big horse guy. Uh, so turning that into a screenplay and the previous book, um, The Great Halifax Explosion, turning that into a play for Jeff Daniels Theater uh, in Chelsea, um, your backyard there. And of course, talking about this book has been happily taking up a lot of time. So that's been uh, a project as well. Nice. Nice indeed. So you've done uh, a podcast along with the book. I think you've got 15 episodes out there as of now. Uh, how's yeah. that been going? It's been going, according to the guy who keeps the stats, top one or two percent of those at this stage. Uh, it's called Let Them Lead by Bacon.com. As you can find out the book, my TED Talk, 
as well as uh, the new podcast, Let Them Lead by Bacon.com, which is kind of like yours. How about that? So if you like yours, you might like mine. If you like mine, you probably like yours. We've talked to quite a few folks. Ari Weinswig, the founder of Zingerman's, uh, has been great. Jim Hackett, the former CEO of Ford Motor Company, of course, former AD at Michigan. Carol Hutchins, the NCAA champion softball coach. Bev Plucky has won an NCAA championship in gymnastics. It's fascinating to talk to these guys about their people. Forget the sport. Forget the endeavor. Cars, jelly sandwiches, gymnastics. I like to get down to what you guys like to get down to, which is, okay, how do you get people to perform at their best? How do we do that? And these guys, of course, are world class. Yeah, I especially like the uh, episode number seven with Ann Curzon. And she said, I thought, I thought what was really important for our listeners to learn is that when it comes to teaching, we have to remember what it was like to not know. She said that and I'm driving in the car, it just blew my mind. I, I just, I, I thought that was amazing. I love that. And Anne is fantastic. She's the Dean of Literature, Science and Arts, the main college of the University of Michigan. She doesn't like it when I say this, but I'm just saying it. She's going to be a president of a university, a big one, sooner than later is my guess. But, uh, but she's doing a great job in LSNA and she's got a fascinating approach. And this applies to your listenership too, of course. The first thing she does is flips the script on the whole kids today. I got a great quote about kids today uh, saying they lack respect. They do not stand up for their elders when they walk in the room. They're more interested in luxury than in working. And who said that? Socrates, 2000 years ago, people, more than that. So yeah, this is not a new, not a new complaint. And it's just as valid or invalid as it was 2000 years ago. And yes, generations all change. But what I love about Anne's approach, and it's my approach as well, if you dump in this generation and say all these things, then you're a bad leader. <laughs> you're a bad coach, you're a bad leader, you're a bad teacher, because the ones I've had have been phenomenal. The millennials, the generation uh, Z in my classes, the folks you deal with, of course. So we're already off on a, on a derailment here. Sorry about the, I've turned your introduction into a five minute spiel. But uh, anyway, <laughs> there are no rails, turns out. <laughs> your line about the, the generations constantly like, changing like that. I, I, I actually don't think we do. I think we all end up growing into the whole get off my lawn generation <laughs> at some point. You watch. In my day, <laughs> we had to look at our phones for information. You believe that? <laughs> kind of all end up there, right? It's so great to talk to you and to talk to you about Let Them Lead. This actually happened as we do our podcast, we review books and my wife happens to sometimes overhear because the voice booms along and she's like, hey, at uh, this Nicola Books place, this John Bacon guy is is signing books, and and you should grab one of his books because it's local and he looks cool. And Sam and I just latched on to let him leave. I'll tell you, John, it, I, I love hockey, but I'm not a Michigander at heart. I'm a transplant. Where, where from? From New Jersey via North Carolina. So that's one messed up accent right there, pal. It completely is. North Jersey, New <laughs> Carolina, something. Those things do not mix. But anyway. That's exactly, that's exactly correct. But along those lines in the book, as, as Sam and I are, are reviewing other books, I see a lot of similarities in our leadership books. So is there, is there a leadership philosophy or style that you tend towards in the books? Is there something outside of, of your own writing that you go to? Yeah, a few things and a few things that have stamped me more than I ever realized. I read Bo's, Bo Schembechler, his first book was Joe Falls back in 1973. And I was in third grade, and that was the source of my book report in third, fourth, and fifth grade. Please report I finally got an A in fifth grade in the same damn book, but there you go. 
make of that what you will. Persistence. Thank you. That's what I'm calling. It. Yeah, <laughs> that's possible spin. This man is persistent, so not lazy at all. But uh, we're obsessed. I didn't realize how much that absorbed into my bones, basically, until I wrote my book with Bo after Mitch Albom. So this is the third book with Bo, basically that you know Joe Falls, Mitch Albom, and I have written. And when I went back to the Bo book, first one. After you know, forty years, I was thirty years. Yeah, thirty years, I guess. I was just amazed at how much of that I already knew, how much of that had been cycling in my head all these years. Even though I quit reading it in fifth grade, that was amazing to me. Um, Tom Peters, In Search of Excellence, and that was a big book in the mid '80s, blockbuster. Still is, I think. He, God bless him, endorsed this book. I've never met the man. He owes me nothing. So when he read it, cover to cover, and liked it, and was eager to give an endorsement, that meant a lot to me. Well, those are two just for starters, of course. There are plenty of Susan Cain, who also endorsed it, God bless her. She wrote Quiet. She has got, that's a different philosophy. It's kind of the same philosophy, but how do you handle, how do you work with people who are naturally introverted, which we don't talk about very much? Uh, Bo and Tom Peters and yours truly are turbo extroverts, and that's the usual situation for leaders. That was a brilliant book, I thought. And one last one in the back of the book, Richard Sheridan, who uh, is the CEO and founder of Menlo Innovations in Ann Arbor. Uh, but it's a national company. It's been on the cover, cover of Forbes and Fortune and you name it. And he wrote Joy Inc. And honestly, as different as those four or five it is named are, it boils down to some pretty simple precepts. My favorite leaders are direct, noble, care about you, high standards, unapologetic. But I, the question I ask in the book is the question I ask in my speeches. And here's a freebie for you people right there. I asked it for the first time about eight, seven or eight years ago in Vancouver. I don't know why I did. It just popped out of my mouth. But I've asked the same question coast to coast across the United States, North America, even in Sao Paulo, Brazil, in Buenos Aires, Argentina. I've asked it in English, Portuguese, and Espanol. And here's the question. All you guys are going to answer it. Who was your favorite teacher? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I had that on my, on my list to ask you last. I was going to turn the tables on you, there there, you Mr. Go. Bacon. But, uh, oh, go right ahead. That uh, one's easy for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, much like your podcasts, it's pretty easy for everybody. It comes to them right away. And your follow-up question of, you know, were they easy, I think is amazing. Because as I thought about it, and for me, mine was Gerald Wolfolk, my, my band teacher. Huh. And, and no, he wasn't easy. He had very clear-cut expectations and he held you accountable to those expectations, but it was always fun. I, I mean, when you think of Dexter through the late 70s and mid 80s, you know, we had my graduating class was 167 people and the marching band was 157. How about this? I'm not a band guy. I know about Dexter's band. Right? That when the Wisconsin band comes in town, they play with the Dexter band. They're legendary. And I know countless people. I mean, like you said, half the, half the school was in the band, right? Uh, that's yeah. all you got it going on. That had everything to do with Gerald. So that would be my answer. There you go. And of course, the question is, was it easy? No. And again, like I said, I've asked the question in English, Portuguese, and Espanol when I ask them. First of all, everybody in the world can come up with this in five seconds. It's amazing. Just cross cultures, cross the country. North Carolina, New Jersey, doesn't matter. That, they come up with it immediately. And you know, was, the teacher, was your teacher, band director coach, et cetera, easy. And the answer never, never, never is yes. They were always demanding every single time because the ones, well, we'll get to that in a second. The, the great ones, by the way, never lower the bar. That's, that's not, not being sympathetic. That's not being compassionate. Lowering the bar. George W. Bush talked about the soft racism of low expectations. Uh, something I really believe in. That lowering the bar is an insult. Don't do it. So, and we got our man Drew here. I could totally go the band director route as well. And is yours Wolfolk um, too? 
No, no. Mine would be Livy from uh, a little Lakeland Regional High School in New Jersey. Okay. Instead of going the band route, I think I'd actually go with my grandfather. He started teaching me math at three years old. And we would sit at the table. Uh, I would go to their house. And my mom and my grandmother would go grocery shopping. And he would sit with me at the kitchen table and do math problems. Like I'm five years old and I'm doing long form division because that's just what we did. Wow. And honestly, as corny as it's going to sound and corny alert right now, have your hand on the buzzer. That was his expression of love that I'm going to, this is what I know. And this is what I want you to know. And this is our time together. It wasn't to berate you. It wasn't to get you on some TV show or any of that. It's just, this is, this is, I, I'm passing on what I, what I know to you. I'm giving you my full time and attention. That's, yeah. Those are not small gifts. The answer has never been never once. Uh, and I've talked to 80 year olds, 25 year olds, you name it. It's never the easy teacher. Now, look, if it boils down to two things, uh, you've got to be uh, caring and demanding. If you're caring and not demanding, you're nice and it's easy. Uh, and I need some of those in my schedule, frankly. Um, but I don't remember you. I don't. Uh, I appreciate you, but I don't remember you. Uh, if you're not nice, if you're not caring and you're demanding, you're a jerk. I will remember you. So <laughs> those guys I remember, not finally, but I remember them. But those guys, you try to undermine as fast as you can. You try to get out of that class. You try to, it's rarely do you want to stay in. The ones who believe in you, the ones who care about you, and yet for those reasons will not accept less than your best. Uh, because I care about you. It's your grandfather at the kitchen table. Because I care about you, I know you can get this one. I know you can do better than that. Those are the guys that we remember. Those are the guys who change our lives. Those are the guys who, and I know you got a young listenership here usually. Trust me, when you're 70 or 80 years old, those names will still pop up and you'll still remember scenes like you just did. And I've done this for 10 years now. I've asked that question hundreds of times. Uh, and the answers are shockingly consistent. Could be third grade, you know, third grade somewhere. Could be uh, English in high school could be, you know, calculus in college. No pattern there whatsoever that I've seen. Uh, but those two things, and look, that's leadership. To answer your earlier question uh, right there, Mr. Bowser, is, uh, is what does it boil down to? All the books I mentioned, got to care about you, got to push you. The rest, honestly, is details. And the details are up to you. So let's jump into the book just a little bit. One of the things you talk about. No, 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 is no. A different that's, that's loser talk right there. Let's jump into the book a whole lot. <laughs> okay sorry thank you so in the book you talk about layers of leadership mm. and uh you get into a point where you talk about what every leadership book talks about what every leadership speaker will talk about and they get up in front of people and they tell them lead by example but nobody ever tells them what that was so when it comes to uh your river rats what did you call people that led by example leading by example is clearly very important i'm obviously in favor of it you you have to do that uh, in any capacity. And people see through hypocrisy right away. If you don't lead by example, you're a hypocrite. They're not going to follow you and they shouldn't follow you. So lead by example is a box you got to check automatically. But yes, for us, that was a baseline expectation, frankly. So we had a name for those who led by example, and we called them sophomores. Because all that means is you know your job and you can do your job. That means you have a job. That means that's what, that's what the money's for. That's why you get paid. But you got a parking spot here at the company. It's why you have a uniform, if you have uniforms, is why you have a letterhead, why have an email address, because you know your job and you can do your job. That means you, are, you remain employed. On my team, that means you have a jersey, you have a spot in our locker room, your name is in the program. All that means, means is you lead by example. You are a sophomore. Freshmen, we know are knuckleheads. And first year employees, that 
dominoes or anywhere else. You're knuckleheads. We get that. And it might be three to six months before they actually contribute enough to earn their money back if, if you're lucky. And that's an investment, obviously, and that's okay. But second year, I expect you to know your job, do your job. Third year, know your job, uh, do your job, know everyone else's job too. Fourth year, senior year in our case, but let's say fourth at Domino's or wherever else. Know your job, do your job, know everyone else's job too, and help them do their jobs better. So congratulations, Mr. Lead by example. You have a job, but you're not leading. Uh, that's just the first foundation for leading. So when you're a senior, when you're a fourth year person, you have uh, two to three to four jobs on a given day. You got to help everyone do their jobs better. I assume you can already do your job. Um, that's why you have it. That's what leadership is. And if it's you, the leader, doing all the leading, you're screwed, all right? You're outnumbered. It ain't going to work because if it's you versus them, they win. There are automatically more of them than you. You lose. So it's got to be layers of leadership. And look, what you want is, it's let them lead. What you want is mutual accountability. The whole goal of a healthy organization is everybody leads. Line I got from John Cooper. He's the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning two-time Stanley Cup champion. Could be third this year, which would be... Hasn't been, no one's done that in a long time since the Edmonton Oilers, I think. Pretty impressive there. Uh, he and I were actually coaching high school hockey at the same time uh, in Michigan 20 years ago. My first year, 2001, when I'm taking over the team that had not won a game in a year and a half, is his last year at Lansing Catholic Central. So how about that for similar routes? Somehow our careers must have diverged because he just won two Sunday Cup champions and I'm here. So <laughs> I don't seem to be coaching anybody. And you're up yeah, north. Yeah, I'm up north. And yeah, no one's <laughs> called me to coach, um, at least not hockey. But anyway, but he had a great line. And he said, bad teams, nobody leads. Good teams, coaches lead or leaders lead. Great teams, everybody leads. And that's the whole goal of this book. How do you get everybody to lead? When everyone's leading, it's not, there's no tension. There's no dynamic there that way. It's we're all going this way. And that, that is a, an incredibly powerful feeling. It's, I'm not a musician. All you, all you guys in the band, you're way ahead of me, of course. Um, when you see, let's, take, let's go old school, Bruce Springsteen's band, and they're a very tight band, and you see them look at each other in the middle, and you know they're on. And they look at each other, and they're going, yeah, this is it. The place is going nuts, and the place should be going nuts, because we are kicking butt. We are on it completely. We're having a good time. When I throw it to you, you know just what to do. When you throw it back, you know I got it. And that is an immensely powerful feeling. I'm sure a marching band has the same feeling that when the drums have it, they got it. And when it goes back to the horns, they got it. And that's a great feeling walking into halftime, I'm sure. We know that's the case. That's the feeling we had at here on hockey. And I left the room and I'd, always, I'd give a speech before all the games. And those are important, but probably overrated as I write in the book. I would always, the last speech was never mine. Last speech is always the seniors, uh, captain, seniors, your team, I would say. And I'd walk out. And if I, if my pregame speech is right, hopefully they're on fire and you hear them going nuts and one or two are talking, could be anybody. Um, I'm walking out. I just hear the fire, you know, blooming behind me, basically. And I'm walking down the hallway and I'm walking past the other team's uh, locker room. This is the best feeling in the world. I say to my assistant coaches, got no idea what those guys have tonight. It, it's not going to matter because the guys behind me are going to kick their butts. They're on fire. They are ready. They're happy to be here. They're happy to be with each other. They're, they're hungry for hockey. You're screwed. You, you don't have much chance. And that, that is the best feeling of all. When your whole team is going the right direction, everyone knows it and got the swagger. And as one of my players said in the book, um, came to the rink, you know, he was a senior when we were 17, four and five, number four, number four in the state. He was a freshman when they were zero, 22 and three. We didn't cut anybody from the winless team. 
Uh, and he said, you know, we went from knowing every night we're gonna get our butts kicked to knowing as a senior, we're going to kick your butts. And guess what? B's a lot better. <laughs> By the way, a plug for your mutual, our mutual friend, Jeff Ford, who does, who started and still runs Ford Design Build. Uh, got a great staff there. Other architects, carpenters, you name it. Uh, winning national awards left and right. But he's the one to put us in touch. He was an assistant coach on that team. I had grossly overqualified assistants. Jeff Ford is one of them. Uh, arguably the best defenseman in the league for many years. Uh, Dexter Boyd, home of the Dreadnoughts, of course. And these guys would leave work at three o'clock to come down and help us. We had, you know, MBAs, guy starting his own architectural firm, a guy running uh, a cement business, a uh, national cement business. Uh, really highly qualified, over, overly qualified guys. Chapter four, the title is, make sure you're the dumbest guy in the room. And you're probably going to get to that. I'm bouncing all over the damn place, Sam. But uh, Warren Buffett said it. If you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong damn room. So when I see a young leader, Young, not, I shouldn't say young, new leader. Doesn't matter if you're 50 or 25. The ones who are in trouble are the ones who think, okay, now I'm the leader. I need to know all the answers. I can't ask for any help. I've got to be all knowing, all powerful, and show no signs of weakness. And that guy's in trouble. That guy's not going to get help. And that guy, when he falls, no one's going to catch him. So the first thing you do is you get help. And I had tons of overqualified help. That's a testament to your, well, I think as you said it, um, extrovert on steroids um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I am not i am not so I, I don't know if you could tell just from the intro which of drew and sam is the extrovert and the introvert um <laughs> well here's the good news and it comes probably from susan kane but uh doesn't matter you don't have to be an extrovert it really doesn't uh sadly you're more likely to get the job when you're the outgoing one the interview and so on they they tend to be attracted to that kind of energy but the, the players don't care. The employees don't care. The students don't care. The guys in the band don't care. They care if your word is good. Uh, they care if you mean what you say and you say what you mean. Uh, my great mentor at Culver Academy is Al Clark, who's the winningest high school coach in the nation still. 1,017 wins, 25 NFL, NHL. That'd be impressive. NHL draft picks, nine NHL players, six Olympians out of the cornfields of Indiana, not a hockey state. Uh, this guy's done an amazing job. Um, his pregame speech, and I swear to God, I am quoting here. I'm also imitating him pretty well. He'd walk in with his hands in his pockets and say, well, let's be a good one to win. <laughs> yeah. Woo. Thanks, coach. <laughs> he did not do it with fire and brimstone. Our personalities are very different in many ways. But uh, thousand wins, I guess it worked. Uh, they care if you care. They care if you know your stuff, uh, if you're willing to ask for help. Uh, if you're willing to work with them and hear their ideas, uh, they hear, but mainly they care if your word is good. Chapter nine is about know them. Al Gallup, my mentor, who's 96, World War II veteran, assistant principal at Huron High School for many years when I got to know him. Uh, you cannot motivate anybody you don't know. And in my class at Michigan, we that this book came out of two years ago, a new class I started at Michigan called um, Leading by Coaching, which John Beeline, God bless him, University of Michigan basketball coach, took over last year uh, when I was doing this book. We decided to take traits and throw them in three buckets. Uh, one, deal breaker. Two, negotiable, like you can go either way. Three, uh, non-negotiable, uh, have to have it. And the deal breaker, not surprisingly, was breaking your word. Uh, embarrassing you in public, uh, breaking your word. Um, these things, you know, getting personal, those are deal breakers. Negotiable are things like the extrovert stuff you mentioned, uh, Drew, that giving a big pregame speech, John Wooden didn't ever. Al Clark didn't ever. And those are two greatest 
coaches in their fields. Um, and it's not even close. Um, so that's negotiable. What's not negotiable is knowing your people. I think this, frankly, I, I should have. I thought I was smarter, but I didn't. Uh, it came up again and again and again as the most important thing is know your people. If you don't know your people, you got no chance. And talking about Director Wolfolk here and uh, Livesey, if I have that right, in New Jersey, I guarantee they all know you, know you guys. And if you went back right now, they'd still know you. Is that accurate? Yeah, actually. Yeah. Yeah, that's spot on. Well, guess what? That's how they did it. So you mentioned Al Clark and his, his 1,100 wins. Um, those sound like results to me. I know from the book, it's not about results. It's about behaviors. Could you dig a little bit more into that for us? Yes. And that's chapter one. Or maybe it's chapter two. Chapter two? Two. Thank you. Number one is just laying out the problem. That was, that's not advice. It's my dad's great quote. When you're on the floor, it can't fall out of bed. Yes. My dad is not a motivational speaker. I'll tell you that right now. So he's a hardcore deal with the reality guy. But anyway, uh, chapter two is be patient with results and be impatient with behaviors. And that's, that's, it's a real help when you're turning something around. No question about it. You know what? Even when you're kicking butt, you got to stay with it. And it's very tempting when you're getting the results. When you're, when Domino's Pizza is at, you know, 140, whatever it is in the stock price. I mean, up from 20, it was some, you know, crazy run like that. Uh, it's very, okay, now we're getting, you know, it's very tempting to turn your attention away from what got you those things and into all the fruits of your labor and all the prizes and the gold medals and everything else. And you got to stick with the behaviors. So what I mean by that is um, we, we only control what we put into something. We don't really control what comes out of it. We want to get the results. We want to get the wins, the stock price, the profits, and the sales, the CSI, whatever it is you're measuring. You want to get those things, the numbers and so on, market share. Um, all good goals, you know, all things we want, uh, but that can't be your focus. It has to be the byproduct. To me, it's like happiness. If you try, then I'm going to be happy. Good luck. You're not going to be because you're going to start thinking about it to screw the whole thing up and you're going to blow it. Focus on the things that you do that keep you happy, eat well, exercise, be around good people, do meaningful work, and, and you will be happy most days. You won't, no one's happy all the time. And that's also true with the results. Sorry, your stock price is going to dip. You're going to have some bad days. Some sales are going to fall through. An account is going to leave you. All this stuff is going to happen. That could happen, will happen, guaranteed. So when that happens, what do you do? Revert back to your behaviors. And our team, we had only two that we cared about. Two principles, which I got from Rob Palmer, 1977 NCAA finalist. They lost in overtime to Wisconsin. Otherwise, would have had a big ring for that. Played in the NHL for half a dozen years and then went back to get his MBA at Michigan. Then TRW, I believe. So he's still in the area. Uh, we're leaving the rink one night and he tells me all his dad told him as a kid growing up in Toronto is work hard and support your teammates. Get that right. And don't worry about the rest and get that wrong. And don't worry about the rest because it ain't going to work. So we focus on those two things. What I love about that is our employee manual was a sign you saw on the way in work hard to put your teammates. That's it. If you can't figure out what those two things mean, come to me and I'll explain them to you. Uh, more than come to a senior or a junior or a sophomore and they can all explain it to you because they all know what it means. And they can all enforce it and guide you on this thing. But you already know what it means. It means don't be late. Don't show up the crappy attitude. Um, yeah, support your teammates. Don't be selfish. Don't be rude. Don't point fingers. All this stuff. But those just two things. And what's also crucial about behaviors versus results is with behaviors, you define yourself. I'm coming to realize more and more as I talk about this book and I work with uh, corporations and so on, that that is an essential aspect to anybody who succeeds. Jackie Robinson is one of my all-time heroes. I've given a TED Talk on him. You can 
see on the johnubacon.com website, one of the great lines is when he's in the South in the Negro Leagues and they're trying to go eat some place in the South and man says with a racial slur, boy, you can't eat here. And Jackie Robinson says, yes, I can eat here. You just won't let me. And there's a big difference there. And the point is that I know how to eat. Don't worry. I know how to eat. I can eat. All right. I can eat your food. I can eat any, any food. Trust me. All right. But you're the racist SOB in my way. So that's on you, not me. The behavior problem is you, not me. So you define yourself. Don't let the world define you for you. And with our behaviors, we get crushed 13 to 2 by Trenton. And I'll remind your listeners here that uh, we are a hockey team, not a football team, not a basketball team. All right. Those come in increments of one, you know, one, two, three, four. One, puck in the back of your net. They celebrate, band plays. Two, puck in the back of your net. They celebrate, band plays. Three, you get the pattern by now, right? If I were to do that 13 times, you know how mind-numbing that would be? Well, imagine in real life that's actually happening in the band. Look, you guys are band guys. By the end of that night, I knew their damn fight song. Okay, that's how bad that was. Trenton's got 14 state titles for a reason. Andy Green, their captain uh, the year before, is still playing in the NHL at age 38, 1,000 games. That's the kind of program Trenton is. So I told my guys, don't look up when you see all the banners, but they all, they always, they never worked. <laughs> they always did. <laughs> no, crap. 13 to 2. Said, hey, I saw it. You saw it. We got our butts handed to us on a silver platter. I can't spin that. So again, those are results. Results are horrific. Some games you can tell yourself that we're better than the score. Not that one. Exactly where we were. Exactly where they were. That's that's where the gap was at that time. So when you took over the River Rats and you were talking about not being patient with behavior, we weren't talking about huge behaviors uh, as I read the book. These were simple things. Like you changed the way the kids dressed. And, uh, you know, as we, our listeners are, are Domino's pizza guys and they've got uniform standards and they've got punctuality standards. And it seems to me that sometimes those things get glossed over because they're worrying about what they think are the bigger things. And what I really liked about the book is that it came across in no uncertain terms that you've got to build a foundation. If you want to have any kind of results at the end, you can't worry about wins and losses, or you can't worry about service times or great pizzas tonight. If your guys can't wear the uniform and they can't show up on time, how important was that to you as the head coach of the River Rats? It was absolutely 100% completely important. We didn't get that right. We're not going to the next step. Show up on time, dressed appropriately for the, today's workout or event, green shirts, gold ties for away games and so on. That had to be right every single day. I was in four years, I'm not, I was not late once to anything. And I couldn't be. Uh, and that's hundreds of workouts, practices, games, events, team dinners, blah, blah, blah. Never, ever late. Just could not be. And I think I had five players who were late for games uh, out of 100 games. And they sat. I could be All-State or could be starting goalie. Both of them sat. One of the great lines is when the, when the bus, is, bus leaves at five o'clock. I'm not lecturing you on that. I'm not going to treat you like a kid. All right. The plane leaves at noon, right? Well, when the plane leaves at noon and you're late, it's not trying to punish you or embarrass you. That's when the damn plane leaves. That's what the plane does. The plane leaves at noon. So guess what? The bus leaves at five and I'm giving you good advice. Now you're 14 or 15 or 16, get a ride there. You're driving yourself, whatever else. I'm giving you good advice. The bus is going to leave at five. I'm just telling you that now and not 501 and not 502 at 50000 bus is leaving. And maybe before that, if everyone's on it. So bus is leaving at five o'clock and then starting goalie is banging on the side as we're just starting to pull away. And all the guys are coach, coach, you know, so-and-so is, you know, banging on the outside of the bus. And 
keyword outside. He's on the outside of the bus. You're on the inside of the bus. Uh, so you guys were on time apparently, and he wasn't. And it would not be fair for me to it not be fair to you for me to stop this bus and get this kid on the bus because the backup goalie was out here on time. He's playing tonight because he was here on time, right? And it means you have to put your principles ahead of your profits, your values ahead of your victories. You're going to lose some games doing it this way. And we lost that night two to one. And damn it, having the starting goalie there might have been the difference. I don't know. Uh, I can't know. It can't matter. Guess who's on time next time? Everybody by half an hour. Because <laughs> they know if I'm going to lose, leave the starting goalie in the parking lot and lose a game, and we only have 24, the league game, Southgate Anderson, it mattered. I was not happy about it, but I'm willing to put that in front of my front of victories. Then guess what? Everyone's on time from now on. So Domino's, your uniform. Guess when you show up at my door, I order a lot of pizza. My kid loves Domino's, by the way. So we're, and by the way, great website vastly improved. The website is awesome. And I love tracking it. Teddy is E6. He eats it up literally. Uh, it's great stuff. Look, a person shows up, a person shows up. I check out your uniform every single time. Trust me. And I'm noting this. And I draw a lot of conclusions fairly or not about you personally based on that. And of course, I know the 30 minute deal is long gone, of course, based on legal reasons and so on, but still you're very punctual. It's not an hour long pizza. It's not what you guys do. So it's still very punctual, very uh, sharp. And keep in mind too, I mean, I knew Patrick Doyle. I consider him a friend. He might not. I'm a good friend of Tom Monahan's and uh, guys like that. And you know what? The vast 99.9% .9 of your customers will never meet Tom Monahan or Patrick Doyle or Rich Allison or anybody else. They're meeting the guy at the front of the door. You are Domino's Pizza. Nobody else is. Not the guy who made the pizza or the woman who made the pizza. Not the person who took the order or translated it or answered the phone. If we're still answering phones, all right. The person at the door is Domino's Pizza. You got to understand that every time you leave the store. So you are Domino's Pizza. And I told the guys, all right, you hop off the bus. They ain't looking at me. Looking at you. You are here on hockey. Green shirt, gold tie, up to up to the neck. And the seniors, not me, inspected them on the way off the bus. It's their team. Oh, by the way, to finish up the trend, I got to finish the. We're getting our butt kicked. Thirty to two. I say, hey, I saw it. There it is. I'm going all the way back here, people. And I said, that's not what I care about. That's not what matters. What matters are values. And uh, I said, what are our values? And they mumble them. More cards, please. No, no, no. What are your values? We start shouting it back and forth. We've been shouting it all summer, all fall, all winter. It's, it's in their bones. And I said, okay, well, did you do that tonight? They think about it. I said, actually, we did. Uh, we didn't slack off the entire night. Uh, last three minutes getting pounded. They're banging the glass. Their fans are going nuts. We're still working hard. No one coached at the bench. We supported the goalie after all 13 goals. We didn't get mad at the forwards. No pointing fingers. A lot of support. I said, that's right. It will never be harder. Follow our values than it was tonight. And you did it. This game was heroic. We define ourselves. So maybe somebody on Yelp rips you. Uh, maybe, you know, and it, it's going to happen. I guarantee. I, I'm on Amazon. I, I got very good ratings for my books. And trust me. Some guys going to come in with a one star every damn time. And this sucks. Okay. Just because they're an Ohio State grad, it's fine. But <laughs> you got to listen to what they say. And what they say makes any sense. They go, hmm, that one kind of hurts a little. <laughs> These guys making a good point. But as often as not, it's like, okay. Um, but it's going to happen. But, but you define yourself. So Yelp, whatever else, whatever the scores are and so on. You know in your heart, were you on time? Were you dressed appropriately? Did you do, did you follow the protocols for Domino's? Should this customer be happy? In your opinion, yes. All right. That matters. This may be blasphemous at Domino's, but the customer's not always right. Sorry. And especially these days, the customers are vociferous. 
They're angry, not all, but plenty. Um, I talked to a flight attendant, talked to anybody, talked to somebody at, you know, the, at the auto shop, you know, at the getting oil changes and so on. Customers these days are tough, often irrational, frequently angry. That can't define you. So you have to decide yourself. Great tip from Steve Edwards, a friend of mine who used to run Chicago Public Radio, WBEZ in Chicago. We all get criticized. And the more you lead, the more you're going to get criticized. Plumbers get wet. Beekeepers get stung. Leaders get criticized. And if you don't like those things, don't be a beekeeper and don't be a plumber and don't be a leader. Okay. Cause that's, that's what you signed up for. Cause made it nicer fun. And I got criticized and didn't like it either. Two things you got to do. One, you listen to all of it. You're going to go crazy. So that's a big mistake. All the Yelps and all the rest, you're going to go crazy. They don't define you. Okay. But if you listen to none of it, you're going to be stupid. You're going to miss something. So where judgment and wisdom and thick skin come in is deciding what to listen to and what to throw out. And that's a skill you have to develop. In the beginning, we talked about teachers and, and liking the teacher because it's not easy. And as we talk about behaviors and not results, I can, I can hear our listeners saying, but you don't understand. It's so different today. I have to lower my expectations because they're going to quit. I don't have any people. Uh, how uh, I'm trying to set you up for, for a fabulous rant here. So, so <laughs> just, just knock this That's one a out softball, of the park, dude. Just, just lobbed it right in there. Thanks, pal. Look, I hear that one all the time. It's the most common complaint I get on the road uh, from corporations coast to coast in Canada. Uh, labor. The problem is labor. I can't get good people. Uh, they, they walk off without, they walk off the day before they get their first check. It's like, what's that? I'm hearing those stories. You're hearing those stories. This generation and blah, 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 blah. Okay, we've been over all that. Look, you want, you want a labor problem? I'll give you a labor problem. The team I took over was zero, 22, and three. Most of the team was not, I already decided a good chunk of the team was not going to come back the next year, my first year being named head coach. And a good chunk, we're going to quit the game of hockey altogether. That's my labor force. I cannot recruit. I'm at a public high school. So I've got about 20 guys uh, who hate hockey, who hate the program, and I'm the new head coach, and I've not, never scored a goal in three years at Huron. They voted against me four to two, all right? And that should have been the end of it. The search committee, including the captain uh, and two parents on there, um, that should have been the end of it. And one of the parents flipped the AD's vote, who also voted against me. So you got a coach with no goals, a team with no wins, and the votes forfeited against you. And when I was named the head coach, they were pissed. Uh, one of the moms, God bless her, Robin Kunkel, great friend of mine now, was driving by the high school and said, I cannot believe we just got another loser. And that's in the book. That's the one thing cool about the book, because it comes out 20 years after I was coaching. Uh, I get to quote them all. They're all in their 30s now and they tell the truth. So it's pretty neat. So there's your labor problem. And then I talked to Al Clark, my mentor. Okay, what do I do here? And what you don't do, listen to me now, loud and clear. You don't lower the bar. You don't grab bodies off the street. You don't put up with any crap that you, they give you because got to. He said, the first thing you got to do is to make it special to play for Huron. And me being a smart Alc, I say, well, we're the worst team in America. That's pretty special. Uh, you know, dead last about a thousand. That's got to be kind of, that's pretty special. You know, 0.1%. No, and he ignores my stupid joke. And he says, no, no, no. The easiest way to make it special is to make it hard. The easiest way make it special is to make it hard. If they know that just to make the team, they had to do things that not everybody would be willing to do, then they, with a little encouragement, will start enforcing the culture themselves. And sure enough, that first summer, after sending out a letter saying, congratulations, 
you're trying to join the hardest working high school hockey team in the state of Michigan. We're dead last out of 180. And I'm telling you, this is going to be the hardest working high school hockey team in the state of Michigan. That's pretty gutsy. I've never met anybody yet. First meeting, uh, and Mike Henry's, and it's in the book, in, the, in his back deck. I gave him a simple assignment in that first letter. Two-page, double-sided questionnaire about them. You know, how many goals you scored last year? What do you like about hockey? What don't you like about hockey? What are your other interests? Blah, 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 blah. Just trying to get to know them. And 15 guys show up, pretty much all the guys who are in town at that point. Uh, that's a good sign. In Henry's backyard, three had the damn questionnaire filled out. And I gave them my cell phone, which back then was a big deal. Email address, my snail mail address, call with any questions if anything's not clear. Three showed up out of 15. And I went around the U-shaped bench and I got to know them all by name. And they told me a bit about themselves. And I, I talked back to them about all of it. So 20 minutes, 15 minutes, getting to know them. That kind of impressed them. And I got all their names right. Oh, I can do this. All 15 names right before I, And then I said, okay, great. What I have in my hand here are three questionnaires. Three of you turned this in out of 15. That is 20%. Was anything difficult about this assignment? Anything unclear? Since I'm, and if it was, why didn't any of you call me? Why didn't any of you call me? Email me? Anything? None of you did. 80% failed. Failed. And you want to ask? While you're zero, 22, and three, this is why. It's not coaching, it's not talent, it's attitude. And right now, you're not even close to being a competent hockey team. And if you want to be a competent hockey team, we get this done. So I'll see you at workout at noon, at noon, 12.00 at the Huron Gym. I'll be there at 11.30, setting up the whole event. All right, you will be there before 12 o'clock. You will have your questionnaire. Goodbye. And I walk out. And I didn't know if I was going to get fired that day. Doesn't matter. All right. This is how you have to do it. If you don't do it this way, it's not going to work. Question Navy SEALs pay $54,000 on average. If you go to the Navy SEALs for the money, you're misinformed. Okay. This is the hardest job in the world. You get put in the hardest situations. You go three days without food in the desert. You swim underneath ships trying to find bombs and whatnot. It is dangerous. It is deadly. If you're a famous Navy SEAL, you're a dead Navy SEAL. So you don't get rich or famous as a Navy SEAL. They take 6%. They're not talking about how this generation doesn't want to work. have to take anybody off the street. If you take anybody off the street for the Navy SEALs, the Navy SEALs quit being the Navy SEALs. Peace Corps, same thing. Got to be a college graduate and a good one. And they put you in the poorest sections of the world, pay you a few hundred bucks a month. And guess what? They take one out of six applicants. So don't tell me it's money and don't tell me it's conditions. What they're selling is the hard. They're not apologizing for the hard. They're not denying it. They're celebrating what is hard about those jobs. That's why you take those jobs. It's a mission, a sense of purpose, a sense of belonging. Give me those things and this generation will come running to you. There's a, I'm up, I'm up north right now, explains the Naughty Pine and all that, a place called Brew. They sell coffee in the morning and beer at night uh, in Traverse City. Traverse City before the pandemic had a horrible labor problem because they can't, a lot of the laborers here can't afford, you know, the, the wait staff and so on. They can't afford to live in Traverse City. It's a problem for a lot of resort towns, of course. Brew has got a wait list. Brew has got a wait list. How do they do it? Yes, they pay well. Uh, and you can get 20 bucks an hour from tips and all that if you do your job right. Uh, but they got high standards. You cannot look at your phone at Brew all day long on your shift. You put your phone in a box. And that generation, this generation, they have a wait list. Why? Because their standards are higher. It feels special to work for brew, all right? You're proud of working for brew and you brag about it around town. I work at brew. Oh, I love brew. 
Of course you love Brooks. They've got a great staff. So as far as dominoes go, you don't lower the bar. You raise it. Turn your franchise into the New York Yankees. Tell them in advance, this job is not for everybody. That's the point. That's the point. So what I hear you saying is set clear, high expectations. Get the right people on the bus. From the very first second. Absolutely. You don't easily It's not going to work. Here's the bar. Boom. Day one. So what we try to, what Drew and I try to tell our folks when we're doing leadership development is these expectations need to be set during the interview. Before people make a decision to come on your team, you've got to let them know what they're signing up for. If you're trying to, if you're trying to recruit them and sell them on only the good things and never tell them that they're going to have to wash dishes or they're going to have to clean the bathroom, then don't be expected when they walk out. I mean, just it's, it's going to happen. I want to riff on that. I'm, I'm, Said a half an hour interview, it's my fault. It's, you got me, got me all fired up, guys. Um, look, uh, there's a there's a line in the book. Well, if I asked you, hey, I got good news and bad news. What do you ask bad for news. first? Absolutely, always. Everyone always does. So, in your interview, give them the bad news first. Here's what's hard about this job. All right, and you know, in Michigan, we have snow. You're delivering in the snow, going to crazy addresses. Customers can be rude. Blah, 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 blah. You're going to wash dishes, et cetera. I mean, all this stuff. You, you get all that stuff out and boom, boom, boom. And this is not for everybody. Um, you tell them all that stuff first. Um, the pay at first is, you know, okay. Not great. Maybe. I don't know what the situation is, but you have a chance to rise. Um, what you get is boom, 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 and boom. But you sell the idea that this is not for everybody. You sell the idea that not everyone can cut it. You sell the idea this is not for everybody. That's the point. This is not. For everybody. Is it for you? How will you make dominoes better? You tell me how you plan on making dominoes better. One of my heroes is Red Berenson, Michigan hockey coach. When they were losing uh, and they had not been to the tournament in 10 years and he's recruiting guys, he wouldn't recruit them. He'd make them recruit him. Say, what will you do for Michigan? How will you leave Michigan a better place? And now you start getting guys like Dave Harlock, three-time captain and NHL player later on, who wants to go to Michigan versus other places. You're not going to get everybody. You don't want everybody. Quit trying to get everybody. You don't want them. All right. I want the Navy SEALs, damn it. I want the guys who are serious. It's instructive to know after all these workouts, three days a week, Monday through Friday, for four months in the scalding heat, in the rain, in the snow, it's Michigan. All right. Late October and so on. Uh, we worked out nonstop every week for four months. Not one player quit. These are not Navy SEALs. This is the worst team in America. So don't tell me about this generation. Those guys that everyone thought were losers and lazy and selfish and entitled, the worst team in America, those guys turned out to be total badasses. But they had to have the fire lit. They had to have the bar raised. Then they start jumping. You know, if no one to raise the bar, you ain't getting it. So chapter 12, let's, let's wrap this puppy up. We want to be respectful of your time, especially during the holidays. One of the books Drew and I read, there was a great quote, and Drew, if, if you remember what it was, uh, help me out. But it said, great leaders look out the window when good things happen and look in the mirror when bad things happen. So chapter 12 and let them lead. All credit goes to your people. Tell us more about that and expand on why you think that's important. It's vital. It's absolutely essential. Uh, I think it's always been true. I think it's especially true of this generation. They're very sensitive to credit being their ideas being stolen, uh, their efforts being gobbled up by somebody else, their supervisor, most often. Do that once. You don't only lose that person. You lose them all. Because the word's going to spread very quickly. That's that kind of leader you are. Uh, I get this from Herb Brooks. Herb Brooks ended up being a friend of mine. He's the architect of the 1980 Miracle on Ice, when the U.S. college kids beat the best hockey team maybe ever assembled. 
1980 Soviets, team that had beaten the NHL All-Stars 6 nothing the previous year. I mean, USA no business winning this thing. Herbrook's the last guy cut, the 1960 Olympic team that won the gold medal. He spent 20 years, his entire life, basically, trying to get that back. Um, and I asked him, would you ever work as hard as you did for 20 years? You'd not been the last guy cut from 1960, which won the gold medal. I said, no, there's no way in hell. Because right? that chip my shoulder drove me with everything I did. So turn your pain into, into effort. But there he is, 1980, they, they win the damn game. It's Miracle on Ice, Al Michaels. Do you believe in miracles? All this stuff. And he, and he goes, watch the videotape. Watch it closely. Watch, look at the photos. The photo of them celebrating is still the best-selling Sports Illustrated cover of all time. The only one, one of the very few with no words on the top. No need. Herb Brooks looks up, sees the score, confirms that the game is over. Thank God. Goes like this. Looks at his players with glassy eyes, with such pride and admiration, and dare I say it, love. And then what does he do? He walks underneath. He doesn't join the celebration. He doesn't shake their hands. He walks underneath the stands to a public locker room and cries in one of the bathroom stalls. If that man, after 20 years devoting his life to this, if that man can walk away from the greatest upset in the history of sports, any sport, any country, any era, all right, and give all the credit to the players, then we can too. All right, there's your acid test. And I asked Herb, how could you, how'd you have the will to do that? He said, I did not score a single goal in 1960 when they won it. Didn't score a single goal in 1980 when we won it. And guess what? I didn't score a single goal as a player at Huron. I didn't score a single goal as a coach. Whatever happened on the ice was going to be them. And our joke to them was on game days, we wear shoes. Unless you make the pizza, unless you deliver the damn pizza, you don't get the credit. Do you know what I'm eating? I'm eating pizza. I'm eating pizza. All right. I'm not eating spreadsheets. I'm not eating your email. I'm not eating. I'm eating the damn pizza. I'm eating the pizza. Okay. So who made the pizza? Who answered the call or the internet? Uh, who made the pizza? Who delivered the pizza? Those are the guys, those are the people who deserve the credit. And that's it. Okay. They're, they're Domino's pizza. Don't forget that. So um, so when we got a trophy, we had a lot of trophies, luckily three or four, four or five, I think before I was done and, uh, for various tournaments and whatnot. And, um, uh, get the red carpet out there and you're on there with your shoes and the PA guy and a table of, you know, medals and a big trophy and coach begging, come get your trophy. No, don't you dare jam your hands in your pocket. Your feet are nailed to that carpet. You did not win anything. You did not score any goals. You wore shoes. They wore skates. Okay. So you nod at your captain, go get his trophy. He goes and gets his trophy and he celebrates with his teammates around the rink. <clears throat> you walk off and you go back to the locker room, their trophy. And by the way, and if you do it that way, <clears throat> if you ever take credit for their success, you're never going to work for you the same way. If you don't take credit for their success, they're going to be happy. And you know what? When you're the head coach, it finds you anyway. So if you're the franchise owner, don't worry. They're still going to notice how your franchise is doing. You'll still get more credit, frankly, than I think we leaders deserve. Um, they'll still find you. And give it away as often as you can. Give it away as often as you can. Credit is free. So is this podcast, interestingly enough. And John, I want to thank you so much for giving more of your time than what was originally asked. Um, it's been a blast talking with you over this. All right. Well, before we leave, I'm going to take a book out of the Let Them Lead podcast and give you my three takeaways from our time together. Ah, well done. Well played, Sam. Well played. So uh, number one, principles ahead of profit. Make sure you keep to your principles. Hey, by the way, break that rule and nothing else is going to matter and you won't get the profits ultimately. Uh, I'm with you. And then uh, kind of a spin on what I tell everybody. I tell everybody about leadership. Number one, it's not easy. Number two, it's not fair. And number three, it's not for everyone. I like what you did. Plumbers get wet, beekeepers get stung and leaders get criticized. I love that. I'm going to be using that from now on. 
Same. And then the thing that I think is really good for our listeners is that you as a consumer, you as a Domino's Pizza customer, you're checking their uniform at the door and making a decision about what's happening at the store based on what you see at the door. I think that is a thousand pounds of gold for our listeners today. Hey, well, let me double down on that one. Look, I've not eaten your pizza yet. I mean, I've eaten it since I was a kid, but that pizza I've not eaten yet. I see the guy show up. I see his uniform, her uniform before I open the pizza. And if your uniform is dirty and sloppy and untucked and blah, 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 how much confidence do I have in your pizza? Honestly, did you go to a dirty restaurant and expect clean food? No, you do not. All right. If you go to the bathroom and it's disgusting, do you want to eat there? Probably not. All right. So that uniform tells me a whole lot. This has been fantastic, John. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so um, much. You know, give our best to your wife, Christy. She's just been a true, true pleasure to work with. And the fact that you turned those books around for me so quickly was just wonderful. Um, and uh, it's, this has been, uh, this has been beyond my expectations and they were high. Hey, there we go. <laughs> a lot of fun guys. Thanks. See ya. That's our first serious non-dominoes interview. And I don't know about you, but well, I do know about you. I think it went really well. I think you're going to agree. Yeah, I thought it was pretty amazing. We've been so fortunate to have some of the biggest names in Domino's Pizza on the podcast. And I think as far as big names outside of the Domino's Pizza circle, this was really exciting for me. I know it was exciting for you. And uh, John, if you're listening, thank you so much for being so generous with your time. Uh, but most of all, thanks for getting this book out there. Let them lead unexpected lessons in leadership from America's worst high school hockey team. You know, with our with our new rating system, Drew, um, this one's definitely going to be on the prize table in some of my workshops coming up. And if you see it on the prize table, it's going to be signed by the author, John U. Bacon. Now, along those lines, to to tie this up for our listeners, let's think about what he said, right? We all need people right now. Don't. I. I so let me, let me back up a second, Sam. So I put a thing out on the Facebook group about how I can help with their online recruiting. And a lot of the comments were, well, I just need apps. No, you actually don't need apps. You need great people to join your team. And it doesn't matter if you have a thousand apps, it matters that you get five or six great people on your team. So focus on what it is you're doing in your store that those great people want to work there and then want to stay. And I think John said it best, right? We support each other and we work hard. And if you can start there today, as the folks come in to join your team, maybe just maybe the great ones will see that and they'll want to stay. For me, Drew, you and I, we both preach this. You've got to have the right people on the bus. You've got to create positive energy inside your store. And I think I'm going to add something else. You've got to have patience. It's not going to happen overnight, gang. Uh, but hopefully if you're listening to this podcast, you're in this for the long run and let's make 2022 the year of getting the right people on the bus and having the right energy in the room to deliver the very best Domino's pizza experiences, regardless of what resources you have today, go to battle with folks that you can trust folks that you know, will show up on time. will be in the correct uniform. We'll make every pizza according to rim size, portion placement and bake. And they're the people that will absolutely be by your side, no matter what's going on. It's time for us to stop lowering our expectations and start to lead with a purpose in mind and a goal of by the end of this year, 
having a rock solid team. Not by the end of this week, because that's not going to happen. But by the end of this year, by the end of this week, you can start performing the behaviors that you want your team to, to show as well. Right. Every, Sam and I've said it over and over. You lead by what you do. And that's the example you set. And that's how you lead by example. So today, show up on time, show up early, show up in the cleanest, best uniform you've got with that smile on your face. And then tomorrow, do it again and do it again and do it again. And your team will start to pick that up. And those that don't want to be there, guess what they'll do? They'll stop showing up because they can't show up on time because they don't want the clean uniform because they can't smile. And that's okay. You don't need them. And for our above store listeners, I think it's imperative to be patient with results and not behavior. The behavior that you need is going to drive the results that you want. So again, be patient with results, but not behavior. And Sam, the only thing I want to add to this at the end is, is for the listeners who are not in Michigan or where it's really cold, John talks a lot about hockey. Take, take that leap. The hockey team is no different than your store team. It's no different than your basketball team. It's no different than your band. It's no different than your family, right? That what he's talking about is not tied to the sport. It's tied to how you act with people, how you know people and what you do. Get away from the sport and get into what you do. And then everything he's saying falls in line like puzzle pieces. Drew, very well said. As soon as you get off this podcast, head to either one of our websites. Click the link if you haven't done it already and buy the book, Let Them Lead. I think you're going to find it's a great read and it really, really translates well to what you do each and every day. As always, thanks so much for listening to this very special episode of Drew and Sam Talk Training. We would simply love it if you'd share these episodes with your friends, like them, follow us, and subscribe. This has been Drew and Sam Talks Training. I'm Drew with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. And I'm Sam with Fowser Consulting. As always, folks, go out, sell more pizzas, and have more fun. That's all, folks.